I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. A few weeks ago, I did something incredible. I hugged and saw my grandmother. She's been in a care facility since early January because her early dementia required around-the-clock care and her health had become more fragile as the pandemic wore on. When I visited her, I didn't know what to expect or if she'd even remember me. My grandmother couldn't recognize me at first, but eventually she held my arms and said in Cantonese, you know, you look a lot like my granddaughter. I was so relieved, but she was also confused about the details of our lives and family. That's us talking in Cantonese during the visit. She didn't remember how many kids my mother had, and I was trying to remind her that she only had two granddaughters. The pandemic has been uniquely devastating for dementia patients and their families. Today, we're joined by San Francisco Chronicle reporter Sarah Ravani and photographer Gabrielle Lurie, who worked on a story together about how families like mine, and maybe yours, are grappling with the long-term effects of COVID-19 on people with dementia. Let's start with you, Sarah. What have been the greatest risks for dementia patients during the pandemic? Sure. Um, So studies show that people with dementia have a harder time sticking to safety measures. I mean, they have a harder time remembering to wear a mask, uh, to social distance. Um, They also have a higher risk of getting COVID and are more likely to require hospitalization and die from the virus. Um, The data shows that 690,000 people uh, age 65 and older in California have Alzheimer's, the most common cause of dementia. And nationwide, Alzheimer's and dementia deaths increased 16% during the pandemic. The CDC reported that the most frequent comorbidities associated with COVID are influenza and pneumonia, hypertension, diabetes, and then Alzheimer's and other dementias. Right. So unique vulnerabilities there. And I understand that both of you visited a facility with people that face these risks. Gabrielle, can you tell us more about the facility that you followed in your story? Yeah. So I think the reason that we were really interested in this story from the beginning is that we have read so much about, you know, people living in assisted living or in nursing homes. But who are they and what are they actually experiencing? Um, I think for me, I felt like, oh, it's easy to to see them as just, you know, old people that are dying far away, but we really wanted to get close up. And so, um, you know, Gordon Manor was really great about giving us access to their facility um, where they had 20 residents test positive um, and 12 who died. Um, 10 staff members also tested positive and, you know, they wanted to share their story and let us know what they went through. And, you know, two-thirds of the staff stopped showing up to work. People didn't return. You know, they were dealing with really, like, death on their doorstep. And so we wanted to kind of understand, well, how are they bouncing back or not? In the in the early stages of the pandemic, we learned about these devastating COVID outbreaks in nursing homes and facilities across the country. What made you choose Gordon Manor for your story? When the pandemic first happened, I was um, assigned to cover nursing homes and assisted care facilities uh, in the Bay Area, tracking, you know, how the virus was impacting them. And early on in the pandemic, I reached out to Gordon Manor because they had had several deaths at that time. They had had an outbreak, and I kept in touch with them um, 
a little bit, but I remember speaking to them in the summer and their administrator um, was just telling me how stressful it had been um, trying to confront the the virus. Um, and that that story really had stuck in my mind. Um, you know, she likened it to a war. Um, she said something like, you know, I feel like we're, you know, rising from the ashes. And it was always just in the back of my mind what this facility had gone through and what the people who lived there and the people who worked there had gone through. Sarah, I understand that many of the patients in Gordon Manor had dementia. What has been the effect of social isolation for them? Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's across the board, um, very different in different people. Um, for one, you know, I spoke to some experts who said, you know, seeing seeing stressed out staff can cause anxiety in people who have dementia, and that can in turn lead to agitation. Um, the pandemic has caused dementia to progress more quickly. I mean, most of these facilities like Gordon Manor, they used to have classes every day. Like they would have exercise classes, music classes, um, movie days, like in their, you know, communal spaces. And all of that was, you know, was just gone. Um, so that type of, you know, brain simulation just didn't really exist, um, for a long time. And, um, yeah, for some people, you know, it, it just made them progress more quickly. They lost weight. Um, it was just a really difficult time. You know, I think something that dementia patients really need is structure. And losing any kind of structure to their lives, I think, throws them off and kind of throws them into the deep end. So, you know, a lot of them have schedules posted and they follow those schedules. And, you know, they're no longer going into the dining hall and sitting next to the person that they normally sit next to and chat with. They're eating alone in their rooms by themselves, you know, and um, I think losing that routine, they kind of lose all sense of time and reality. Um, So I think that that kind of was something that wore them down pretty quickly. So while you both spent time in Gordon Manor, I understand you both were able to follow some intimate moments with some of the residents there, including Pat Michelin, who has dementia. Let's listen to some tape of your time with her as a caretaker was trying to feed her. Don't do that to me. This is your ice cream. No! You don't do it to me until I tell you to. I'm, I'm waiting for them to all go to oh, oh, All goes with Bob and all goes with anybody that we know. So that's not easy to listen to, and it sounds like there's a lot of confusion and anger. Gabrielle, can you tell us more about Pat and how the pandemic affected her health specifically? Yeah, Pat um, Pat is really spunky and someone who had and still has a lot of personality. Um, she's She's very funny, but she goes in and out of being lucid, and, you know, a lot of her time is spent kind of, like, picking at a blanket or grabbing for a window. Um, she doesn't really know where she is. And she used to have a dog in the facility and her dog was taken away because of COVID concerns. And so she used to be able to walk her dog and greet other residents. And all of a sudden, you know, she's, she also fell and broke her hip. So she's bedridden with, without her dog. 
and um, her whole life kind of shrunk and she spends most of her time in her bed. She, she gets really agitated. Her personality does come out, um, you know, every once in a while, but she's, she's very limited. She used to be able to recognize her daughter, um, you know, and now her daughter, she said, her daughter said COVID-19 has taken her mother away from her. Um, you know, she was diagnosed with dementia eight years ago. And, um, you know, I think this year has really caused her to deteriorate uh, rather quickly. I think the one interesting thing that I personally learned about um, memory loss patients is that, um, you know, they're, they're, they're all really different and they all, they have different, they have good and bad days. And, um, you know, Pat, sometimes would be completely off in her own world and other times she would be right there with you or she would or things would be a little off and you would be in her world but you might be someone else you might be her son or her dog um there was a time that i was sitting with her and she was being taken care of and uh washed which she does not like and you know after she was washed and and dressed and fed she looked up at the caretaker and um, she so genuinely said, thank you so much for taking such great care of me. You know, I love you. And the caretaker turned around to go get something for her. And she just stuck her tongue out, it's like, <laughs> you know, right as she turned her back, kind of like, you know, just defiant. And um, and the caretaker said, oh, she just did something behind my back, didn't she? And I said, yes. <laughs> And she's like, yeah, she does that all the time. So, you know, I think you don't lose the person with the dementia. You just lose some elements of them. And I think spending time there and actually really getting to know them just showed the dimensions of their experience. Because it's not, it's, it's not like they're completely gone, you know. Um, there's still a lot of personality there. But... It is really challenging. It's challenging for them and for the people who take care of them. We'll be right back after a short break. You can support Fifth Emission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com slash pod. Many families like mine have been anxious about admitting or keeping our loved ones in facilities during the pandemic. But on the flip side of that, I understand that you also both met with another family that faced challenges about pulling them out of the facility. Is that right? Yeah. Um, we met with Mildred Hamada. She is 96. She's been at the facility um, for several years. And you know, when when the pandemic first started, her daughter and her granddaughter, um, you know, as I think many families, really worried about uh, whether she should stay in there, whether she should, you know, come to their home. And it was kind of this ongoing discussion that they were having with Mildred. Um, but, you know, Gordon Manor is the last place that Mildred lived in with her husband, um, he died in 2017, and she feels really connected to the place. And I think, you know, for a while, she really didn't want to leave. Um, but in April of 2020, you know, the pandemic um, had kind of ramped up. And at the facility, there were active outbreaks. People were dying. And so um, the family, along with Mildred, you know, decided 
um, that yes, it's time it's time to to take Mildred out. And that decision proved to be challenging for the family in the end. Yeah, um, you know, it's so interesting. Her her granddaughter Valerie was telling me that um, you know they worried about a lot of things keeping her at Gordon Manor. Um, for one, you know, they worried about her mental health uh, because they didn't want her to be kind of stuck in her room all day with no type of activity or anything. Um, and she said that Valerie said that when she brought, you know, her grandmother to her mother's house, um, you know, the adjustment was really hard. Um, Mildred never really quite felt at home. She became a lot more emotional. She was always asking about the other residents at Gordon Manor. She was always kind of, it was almost as if she kind of left her heart at home. And they tried to kind of keep her days busy, but she just wasn't sleeping very well. And so finally they decided in September, even though vaccines weren't available yet, um, that it would be okay for her to return. And Valerie was just saying to me that as soon as Mildred walked through the doors, it was like she had never left. She was kind of back to her, you know, sweet. Um, I mean, she, I think she was always sweet, but just kind of her, you know, happy, um, go lucky self. You know, I have to say that part of your story brought me some level of comfort, just knowing the benefits of being in a facility for folks with dementia and that kind of structure and routine and how beneficial that is for for people who need it. And so. Uh, that resonated with me a lot. But, you know, now that regular life is starting to resume, people like myself are able to visit with our loved ones again. What are families confronting now after all this time has passed and they're seeing the effects of how the pandemic has affected their loved ones? You know, I was talking to some some doctors about exactly this. I mean, what are families kind of facing as they you know, get to see their loved ones again in person, get to touch them again. And in some cases, like Pat's, I think um, it can be a big shock, right? I mean, she's, you know, um, she's not as lucid. Uh, she's lost a lot of weight. She's way more frail. She can't walk anymore. I mean, the change from, you know, who she was before the pandemic uh, is very different in some ways to who she is now. Um, so that can be very shocking, and I think that's something that families have to prepare for. But I also don't think that's the case for everybody. Um, one of the workers at the facility was telling us that, you know, for some people, uh, yes, they deteriorated during the pandemic, but once things kind of reopened, families were able to come back inside, activity started again, they started to improve. Um, I don't know necessarily what the science is behind that, but I think that's really fascinating that like as things kind of return to normalcy, people also started to to just um, heal in a way. It's very clear to me how important that connection, that love, that touch really is. And, you know, I think Pat Pat's daughter, Sue Ann, for her, it's really hard to visit her mom. It's like um, she has to work up the mental energy to say, okay, I'm going to go see my mom because my mom is not my mom anymore. And, you know, it's it's draining for her. She leaves and she's exhausted and she goes home and she cries, but she does it. And it's really important to her to have that connection. But I know 
I know that Pat has two other children who can't bear it. They can't go to see their mom. And when they hear that she's declining even more, I think it pushes them away because they don't want to imagine her, um, you know, having deteriorated so much. You know, the flip side of that is that Gordon Manor is really an incredible facility and they've held, you know, these gratitude concerts where they're grateful for what they have and, you know, the people that have survived. And you see a lot of the residents out there really opening up and enjoying their time. I I had never seen Pat so happy. She was smiling ear to ear, having conversations with people. And so I think if if they have that care, which they can now be given, you know, it really opens up their world again. And and like Sarah said, they can bounce back. Well, you know, we're finally in this stage of the pandemic now where we're going to start seeing the long-term effects of the pandemic. And this story in particular, I imagine, was such an intimate and probably difficult story to follow. And I appreciate you both for doing the story and for talking to us about it. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to thank my guests, Sarah Ravani and Gabrielle Lurie, for sharing this story. You can check it out now on sfchronicle.com. Special thanks to King Kaufman for producing the episode and all of you for listening. We'll see you next time.